me some Pastor Dennis. We always have some great conversations when I've come. We've had some doozies over the years. And, and most of the time we agree, but then, you know, he comes up with some crazy notion that LeBron's better than Michael, and it just all goes off the rails. And so, anyway, so we have to agree to disagree on certain things. But anyway, appreciate everybody coming out. And somebody's excited. Somebody's excited. Amen. Uh, hey, two things before we, before we get in the Word. And if you want to, you can go and look, turn over to Luke 7. And while you're turning over there, two things. Number one is uh, table. Um, go back there, get some stuff. But here's the thing. You know, it's one thing to, to, to get a soul, hold of something that'll bless your life. It's another thing to sow into another nation. Anything you, anything you buy back there, if you don't want it, you just want to sow. Anything that comes in through that table, I'm leaving Tuesday, not this Tuesday. Next Tuesday, I'm getting on a plane 20 hours uh, to Sydney, Australia. We're going to be ministering in four churches and Christ for the Nations, Australia, in Sydney, and then five days in Vanuatu on Port Villa training pastors from all over those islands and crusades. And so um, anything that comes in through that table is going to go towards that trip. And, and just what I'd love to see, just because I want you blessed, I want them, is get the flash drive. You're never going to have somebody come through here that's taken their whole media library, 16 CD series, and put it on a flat. Only technology can do that. Pop it into your computer, your Mac, your PC. Some of you have those cars now that have the USB ports with your screens pop it in, and you've got this whole supernatural Bible school, and, and, and I can just become part of your family. <laughs> and, it's good. and it saves you over $400. Yeah. And so uh, I think i got nine of them back there. Wipe them out and help me with Australia and sign up for the Daily Move and partner with us and get the app on your... we got a new app on the Google and Apple and just search Philip Baker, and we're having a good time. Number two. At a quarter till, at a quarter till, we're going we're to come up to this altar and we're going to worship. But the thing about worship is you can worship your way out of anything and you can worship your way into something, right? You can worship your way out of something bad and you can worship your way into something good. And just all day long, I, I've had this stirring in my spirit and uh, we were over at the hills, and by the way, I got to stay in the, in the hill uh, inn and suites. <laughs> Pretty nice. Thank you so much. <laughs> hill inn and suites. And so we, we, we watched, the, watched my Spurs lose last night. Um, but all, all day long in my spirit, it's, 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 just been, uh, it's just been rolling. And I want us to, uh, blessed to be a blessing. You know, I just want to be honest. If you're going to reach your full potential as a Christian, as a business, as a marriage, as a family, as an individual, as a believer, you've got to get that in your DNA. If, if you get that one thing in your DNA, you're going to have a phenomenal life and you're going to do great things for God. That is the Abrahamic covenant in a nutshell. You're blessed to be a blessing. You know, brother, you've got to be careful about wanting all you want is blessed. Bless. I, I know, you're right. That's why you have to be blessed to be a blessing. blessing. You have to be just as passionate about being a blessing as you are wanting to be blessed. blessed. And when you get that in your DNA and it's something that defines you, your life is going to be incredible and there's nothing the devil can do about it. And so what we're going to do is, is after we worship 
Come on, we, we are, we are, we're going to declare that. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be in a place because of worship that we're going we're gonna to reach out and we're going to decree a thing and it's established. And we're going to decree over you, Amen. your job, Amen. your business, Amen. your children, Amen. your grandchildren, Amen. the hills. Amen. Come on, Colby and Rachel. Amen. Come on, Hill and Company. Amen. Come, right? The remnant church, Philip Baker Ministries, that we are what? Blessed to be a blessing. So here's the thing. How, How blessed can God make you? And how much can you be a blessing? I'm believing God that God's going to expand our faith for how blessed of a life we can have as long as we're just as passionate about being a blessing at that same. Come on, don't be wanting million dollar blessing and then want to be a ten dollar. Don't you don't want to be a million dollar blessed and you only want to be ten dollar blessing. That's where we're going. You at Luke 7? Luke 7 tormented me for years. Tormented me. Tormented me, tormented me, tormented me. Um, it all had to really do with one scripture. It's kind of down at, the, down at the end of the chapter here. Make sure I'm in Luke 7 and I'm not. I'm in Luke 11. So I may want to get over there. And no, I'm not preaching out of an iPad because I'm trying to be cool. I preach out of an iPad because I don't like wearing reading glasses. So just <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it, verse 47 is what tormented me. He said, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loves much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Well, as uh, Bill Murray used to say, I mean Steve Martin, well, excuse me. Huh? It just, I, I never liked that, you know, because I grew up in church and, and uh, I had this great testimony. I was in the youth group. I, I, I saved when I was seven, filled the Holy Ghost when I was 13. My testimony was, you name it, I didn't do it. <laughs> come on, we, we got any really bad knuckle, I mean, who, who's some really bad knuckleheads? You, you were? All right, come up here, come up here. All right. Come on, we're, we're, we're going, I'm going to use you as an example the whole time. So, you were ex-knucklehead? Yes. So you name it, you did it? Yes. We're not going to get into the other details? Okay. So let me... Ex, look, look, knucklehead. What, what, what age were you when you got saved? 30. Oh, so 30 years old. 30 years of just sinning, <laughs> heathen, reprobate, right? Good church boy. Saved when I was seven, filled the Holy Ghost when I was 13 years old, right? And so, never been drunk? Come on. Never, never did any drugs? Come on, the only woman I've ever been with was my wife, right? Come on, I mean, I was a good boy. I was in church. I, I, I love my mom and my daddy. I love my family. I mean, I, I was a good boy. I like him. <laughs> Reprobate, right? He was 30 years old, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, so what that scripture is saying, to whom forgives little, loveth little. To whom much is forgiven, loveth much. And so growing up, I always saw that these people that had these horrific testimonies, they always had more of a passionate love for God than I did, and it ticked me off. 
And then every time a preacher got in front of me, they began to tell their testimony, and they always were ex-knuckleheads, and they get up, I'll tell you what, when I was young, I screwed everything, drank everything, screwed, drugged everything. You know, I was in a car accident, rolled that thing 400 times, and <laughs> was in a hospital, and then I got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and now I'm going to spend the rest of my world, the rest of my life, preaching the gospel, and you're right. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and I'm sitting out there, and I'm going, it seems like I should get the passion, <laughs> not them. I guess I got to go backslide so I can go into the ministry, no. all right? No. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. So, it, it, you know, all three of my youth pastors were ex-knuckleheads, right? My pastors were ex-knuckleheads. They were all ex-knuckleheads. And then this little parable right in the middle of the story makes it even worse. So look at verse 41 and 40, 42. There are two creditors, which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. So you got one dude owes $500, the other one owes $50. We do better with dollars than pence, right? Both of them were broke. Come on, they had none to pay. He forgave them both. One owed 500, other 50, right? He forgave them both. Jesus says, hey, tell me which one of them is going gonna, is gonna to love, love uh, the master more. One owed 500, one owed 50. Hey, which one's going to love the master more? And I'm like, Jesus, don't you do it. Don't, 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 don't you do it. And Simon said, well, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And Jesus said, you have rightly judged. Here we go again. Who's forgiven little, loveth little. Who's forgiven much, loveth much. He drove me crazy. I knew I was wrong. I just knew I wasn't seeing it the way Jesus, kingdom, heaven, God said it. And so years, years, years I stayed in this chapter. She tormented me for years. She she tormented me. I don't torment her now. She's one of my favorite people. I'm going to meet her when we get to heaven. Let's go through the story. I'm all... I'm fixing to show you something, and for the rest of your life, it's going to be easier to worship God. It'll be so much easier getting up to this altar and just not giving a rip what anybody thinks and just worshiping God. Amen? And and, and there's nothing you can do about it now because you're here. So if that's not what you want, you need to run. You, you, You need to go. One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went down to the Pharisee's house, sat down to meet. Behold, there was a woman. She was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. And so there's some things I think we can deduce. You know, we can go Sherlock on this thing and deduce from it. And that is somehow in the earlier in the day or the, the previous day or the previous week, she had an encounter. She had an encounter with Jesus. It changed her life. She was forgiven she saw something. She felt something. She experienced. It doesn't tell us what. Well, we can ask her when we get to heaven. But she had an experience that so touched her heart. We know she did because she made a decision to go sell everything she had, which was like a year's wages. Come on. I mean, think I mean, if you make $50,000 a year, can I mean, go and sell your, a year's wages? Went and bought an alabaster box full of, uh, full of ointment. And went and went looking for the went looking for him. 
She had this alabaster box. You know she had it hidden because if you're walking around town with something of that value, come on, somebody will mug you. You'll become the snail. So she's asking around, where is he? Uh, But let me back up. Do you know any time you have a true encounter with God, it's going to stir you up to give? Just FYI. All right? So she finally finds him. You know, somebody told, hey, you know, I think I saw him go over to Simon the Pharisee's house. I think he's over there. So here, you know, she, I I, I could just see her barging in. Did she barge? She just barged in. She barges in, verse 38. She stood at his feet behind him weeping began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Does that sound emotional to you? (laughs) Let me ask you a question. When was the last time your worship was emotional? Does Does your worship have to be emotional every time? Of course not. But when the last time it was? Have, I'm asking you questions I don't want answers to. It's none of my business, right? Has your worship ever went to a place that even remotely looked like that? Worship is the expression of your love for God, right? That's what it is. Has your, has your worship ever even remotely looked like that? Does does that remind you of any kind of worship you've ever seen in church? Hmm? Come on. Your worship every time doesn't have to be emotional, but, man, when's the last time it has? Is that all right to ask that question? So, verse 39, So when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, and if he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is. For she that touches him, she's a sinner. So the Pharisee, he's looking and he goes, there's a sinner and there's Jesus. There's a sinner and there's Jesus. There's a sinner and there's Jesus. Jesus answered and said, Simon, I I, I got something to say to you. Master, say on. Sarcasm. (laughs) Master. Right? Come on, master. He insults him in one breath and he's calling him master in the next breath. Give me a break. All right? So here's the parable that irritates me. There was a certain creditor which owed two debtors. The one owed 500 bucks, the other 50 bucks. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, you're right. After meditating on this for so long, I knew the key to the whole parable was in those two scriptures. Because it doesn't seem to match the rest of the story. Let me just help you when you're studying the Word of God. If you come across a story, if you come across a parable, if you come across a chapter and something doesn't seem to fit, it's like it's out of place. It's like, it's like Jesus had a conniption and he's talking one way and then all of a sudden he stops and he starts talking about something else and then he goes back. If you ever run across that, what that is is the key to the whole chapter. Don't ignore it. This parable was the key, and so, man, I just meditate on that, meditate on that, meditate on that, meditate on that. And I remember I was, I was, at, I was, at, uh, I was in Magnolia, Arkansas, and I had transferred from Walmart from, uh, man, I did a lot of transferring because I transferred up to Tulsa to go to Raymond, then I transferred to Magnolia to be a youth and children's pastor, and 
there in uh, Magnolia, we had a security guy uh, shoplifting. And he's a neat guy. We kind of, a few of us, we would talk to him. And every day he was in the store, he busted somebody for shoplifting. Y'all got a Walmart in LaGrange? Every day somebody shoplifting something. All right, every, every day. Okay. So he, he, was, he was always catching people and he was trained to do it and the whole deal. And I was talking to him one day and, and, he, and he said something interesting. He said, the laws may have changed now, but then this is what it was. He goes, he said, yeah, he said, you know, a lot of people, they, they shoplift little things. He said, because the law is anything under $500 is a misdemeanor. Anything over $500 is a, uh, is a, is a felony. And so people are, he said, you know, he was just saying people are kind of careful how much they steal, you know, because they don't, they don't want that felony on their record. And so I, was thinking, I said, hmm, that's interesting. And that kind of, I folded that into this, this parable because, and all of a sudden I, I kind of had this little mini vision in my imagination and I, I saw a judge. You know, you, you got a judge and you got two guys that have, that have, that have been busted for shoplifting. So just can y'all go there with me in your imagination? So think about your judge and these, these two guys walk in. And, and uh, this guy right here, man, uh, he shoplifted $600 worth of uh, material. You know, and he got busted, 600 bucks. But this dude right here, man, he, he, he shoplifted $2,000 worth of stuff. And so, you know, they're walking in and they're standing there side by side. And the judge hadn't got in the building yet. And they're talking to each other. And he goes, man, what you in for? And he goes, well, you know, I, sh- uh, I shoplifted. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I man, what'd you, what'd you get? He goes, well, it's about $600 worth of stuff. $600 worth of stuff? Oh, man. Uh, I, I did 2000 Oh, you did 2000 <laughs> Man, I just did 600 <laughs> I know I'm in trouble, but, man, dog, you, you, you got me tripled. Hey, you, and judge, judge comes out, you know, and he's talking to these two guys. And so, all right, defendant, what, what we got here? Okay, $600. And, and, you know, this guy's thinking, well, man, I ain't as much trouble as this dude. And he goes, all right, $2,000. And the judge looks at him, and you got three different perceptions here the guy that shoplifted $600 he knows he's in trouble but he ain't in enough trouble as the $2,000 guy then the $2,000 shoplifter uh, he knows this guy's in trouble but he knows he's even more in trouble because 600 you know 2,000 is more than 600 but see their perception don't matter whose perception matters the judge when the judge sees him what does he see felon felon because 600 don't matter. And 2,000 doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter if it was 600 and 2 million. What are they both now? Felon, felon. See, when God sees us, it ain't the fruit, baby. It's the root. We'll get to that in a minute. It ain't the fruit. It's the root. That's what's going on here. If you owe 500 bucks, if you owe 50 bucks... What difference does it make how much it is? If you're broke and you get forgiven, what difference should it make that it's 500 or 50? But it does matter because of perception. Perception matters in life. Perception matters in life. You think you're a loser? You'll be a loser. You think you're a winner? You're going to be a winner. So come back up here. You got to help me. So I grew up, little church boy, saving up seven filled the Holy Ghost when I was 13. Ain't nobody my age knew the word like I did. Ain't nobody in my family knew the word like I did. 
Come on, I was, I was bad. You know what I mean? Come on, I, 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 I knew the word. I, my mama couldn't talk. I knew more word than my mama. I knew more word than my daddy. I, none of my friends. I, I, knew, I knew the word. I mean, I, I was a good little Pharisee. Now, come on, you out messing around in your teenage years, and man, I, I am serving God. <laughs> Perception matters, doesn't it? Because see, what we got in, what we got here, because I got saved when I was seven, you got saved when you were 30. So let's go one month before I got saved and one month before you got saved. Well, a month before I got saved at, at six, <laughs> I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. I wasn't doing that. I'm six, right? I was good. So when I got saved, good went to great, right? But when you got saved at 20, you know, because at least think of at 29, come on, before you got saved, you weren't good. You were heathen. Come on, you had, you had the smell of hell all over you. So see, I went from good to great, didn't I? He went from horrible to great. And so my perception is 50 bucks. His perception, two million. But it ain't the fruit. It's the root. And our perceptions aren't the one that counts. Because a month before I got saved at six, come on, I was on my way to hell. Month before you got saved, you were on your way to hell. Because it ain't how much sin you sin. It's the fact that before you got saved, you were sin. You were spiritually dead. You were, come on, darkness. You were without life. So here's the truth. God didn't forgive you any more than he forgave me. And that was the greatest lesson of my life is when I realized I wasn't good to great. I was just as much bad to great as he was. So now all of a sudden, poof, I turn you into Adolf Hitler. My mom, we just shut that off right there. He got Adolf right here. Before I got saved, I had the same sin nature as Adolf Hitler. Because it ain't the fruit. It's the, it's the root. That's what that parable means. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, yeah, one of them's going to love Master more, but they should both love him the same. But they won't. And the church don't. Because there's some people in here that you love God more than others. And you know what that love and that worship's based on? The perception of your deliverance. Because if you're in here and you see your deliverance as good to great, you're never going to be as passionate about God as the person who sees their deliverance as bad to great. Perception matters. 
And that was the biggest change in my life was when I realized before I got saved, I was just as much of a sinner as any human being that had ever lived on the planet. And so God gave me this. I want to give this to you. The greatest need people have is to be born again. Do you believe that? The greatest need people have is to be born again. It's out of that common... Does does someone need to be born again more than someone else? No. No, everyone in the world that's ever lived has the exact same need to be born again. Would y'all all agree with that? Okay. Then, everybody say then. Then it is out of that common equal need that a common equal love for God should come regardless of our past actions. Because every person in here has been forgiven of the same root. Now, we all got different fruit, less fruit, more fruit, different fruit. But we all had the same root. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Come on, when we get saved, we all got forgiven of the same root. So we should be worshiping God all the same. We should all love God the same. We should all worship God the same. Then why don't we? Well, because of your perception. That's why a lot of church kids, that's why a lot of people that grow up in church all their life, that's why they grow up and they become apathetic. Come on, lazy, familiar with the things of God. Uh, They grow up and they get vaccinated with the gospel. They get just enough gospel so they don't get all the gospel. That's what vaccination is, don't you? Didn't they give you just enough polio so you don't get a bunch of polio? So we got a bunch of people in our churches, they vaccinated with the gospel. They brought up church all their life. And then then you got all these people that come into the church, I mean, living like hell for, you know, living like hell and... Come on, and then they got in a car accident, and then they got, they got born again. Come on, and they got their life right, and they saw the grace and mercy of God. By the way, God didn't create the car accident for them to get saved. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But when they did have the car accident, that was the first time in years that they've been immobile, quiet, couldn't move, couldn't talk. They finally got quiet enough for God to talk to them and then they reach out and get saved and all of a sudden they've got this incredible passion for God because they know hell they smelled hell tasted hell mm-hmm. and now they got this passion to go all over the come on to do what God's called them to do perception matters and so I was that kid I was that kid I had this good to great perception of my deliverance and I was running into all these preachers that had a you know, I remember when I was a kid growing up, Jesse DePlanis was always coming through the churches in Louisiana. And man, that dude's all over the world. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I've ever met anyone more driven to go. I mean, he's all over the world. Well, you got to understand, man, the dude was a nightclub entertainer. He was all over the United States. Drugs and rock and roll music. I mean, living like the devil. Tells the story down in, down, in, down in Mexico at a strip club. Come on, had his fake name. They were down there partying, down there singing, down there doing the thing. His, his mama called and said, found him in a strip club down in Mexico. Said, boy, I'm praying for you. But when he got saved in the bathroom listening to Billy Graham, huh? 
He walked away. Well, his, what's the perception of his deliverance? From hell to heaven. What was the perception of my deliverance? Good to great. But then I realized, you know what? My perception of my deliverance is just as much hell to heaven as anybody that's ever lived. The perception of your deliverance determines the depth of your worship. The perception of your deliverance determines the depth of your worship. Every one of you, at one time, you were on your way to hell. Let me just, let's, let's stop for a moment. Every one of you, you were on your way to hell. If you'd have died in that condition, you'd have busted hell wide open and you'd have been there for eternity. Is that right? Let's think about that. Come on, let's, let's let that sink in. Forget about how many times you've been drunk. Forget about how many drugs you've done, how many people you've slept with, how many mistakes you've... Forget about all that. If you'd have died before you were born again, where would you have gone? You'd have went to hell. And that's true for every one of us in here equally. So what's holding you back from worshiping God like you just don't care? Come on, lift your hand if you like it, don't care. Come on, what's causing us not to worship God like we just don't care? The perception of your deliverance determines the depth of your worship. You get a hold of that, you're going to come up here and worship God. Come on, with greater depth than anyone that's ever being born again. I remember years went by and uh, I, was, I was spending a little bit more time in this chapter and I saw something that made me mad again. I got, I got mad again. I got that revelation, changed my life, but then I got mad again. Uh, what was, uh, what was uh, the Pharisee's name? Simon. What was the woman's name? What's up with that? Think about this. It, it made me mad. I don't care what the Pharisee's name is. Why would, why would God give us the Pharisee's name and not give us her name? I mean, you would think, come on, if I'm writing that, I'm not giving the Pharisee's name. I don't want to immortalize him in Scripture for 2,000 years and throughout eternity. Who do you want to immortalize? The lady. But uh-uh, we, we, get, we get the Pharisee's name, but we don't get her name. And I'm talking to God about that. And you know, this is what the Lord whispered. I never forget it. The Lord whispered in me. He said, when you decide to become a worshiper, you leave your name behind. When you, when you, when you, when you decide to be a worshiper, you leave your name behind. Let me tell you something. Let's just, let's just break it down. God's on his throne. He's looking through his churches. And every once in a while in a blue moon, it don't happen often, trust me. He goes, huh, Jesus, look at there. There goes a... There goes a worshiper. So when you walk by, how does God see you? When you walk by, does he look down at you and go...
My life is what it is as much as anything because of worship. Because of worship. And even when I didn't understand this as a teenager, I was a worshiper. You know, in, in my room, I don't know how many hours I spent worshiping God to Andre Crouch live in London. Man, got a hold of that tape when I was 13. My Aunt Leela had it. It was an 8-track. Remember it was 8-tracks? Andre Crouch live in London. Starts off with perfect peace. Government goes into I surrender. And you don't have to jump no pews, run down the wilds, and then a thank you, my tribute. I just want to know you. Sing hallelujah to, to the Lord. Revive us, O Lord. Thine is the glory. You just go, mmm, come on. All my, sent so many hours in my room worshiping God to Andre Crouch live in London. And, I, and, 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 God, and I didn't even understand that at the time. But boy, now that I do, and I know, and the perception of my deliverance is accurate. The perception of my deliverance is accurate. It is so easy to worship God. So what are we going to do tonight? We're going to worship God. So stand up. And, uh, oh, you know what? Let's do. Put, put it on track nine. And why don't we go back to the late 1970s? Come on, I'm going to take you into my bedroom, right? And we're going to worship God to who? Andre Crouch. Live. Can we go old school a little bit? Do y'all mind if we go old school a little bit? All right, leave your name in the chair and come up here as a worshiper. Woo!
next song real low, real low. Worship opens the door to the supernatural. When the worship goes up, the glory comes down. Worship, where's Mr. Red River? Mr. Red River. Worship is the ski lift that takes you up into the presence of God. Who shall ascend until the hill of the Lord, but he that hath clean hands and a pure heart? Worship isn't just about trying to bring God down. It's about us going up to where he's at. We got churches all over this country. They are yapping about revival. They've been yapping about revival for decades. Listen, there's not going to be revival in our churches until there's first a revival of worship. A revival of worship. A revival of worship. That means we got to go to war against what's going to war against us. What is that? Pastor, no, it's that spirit of religion. It's that spirit of apathy. It's that spirit of familiarity. Oh, yeah, I know that song. Oh, I, it's fami- Come on. We take, we, we take the presence. We take church. We take, we take so much for granted. It's apathy. It's familiarity. It's that spirit of religion. Come on, it's that pride. Come on, I want everything God has for me, but I want to do it my way. Somebody once said, if you're not ready to do the ridiculous, God's not ready to do the supernatural. And there's something about worship that just requires you to get out of your comfort zone. To not give a rip what anybody thinks. And you get down to this altar. Come on, and it's not just altar. You can have an altar at your house, right? But I'm going to tell you something right now. People that don't have a love for this altar don't have an altar nowhere else. Huh? And it's just worshiping God. You worship in the shower while you're driving down the road. You can have it at the house. But once again, if you're not doing it here, you're probably not doing it there. See, I want to, I believe, I'm telling you, I believe heaven wants to release this blessed to be a blessing. I believe, come on, we've worshiped to that place. But we need to come against some things. At last says, we talked about the keys to the kingdom. We talking about, come on, whatever we bind, heaven binds. Come on, lift your hands in this place and come into agreement with me. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, I thank you that tonight we're in Christ and Christ is in us. Tonight we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all principalities and power. Father, you've given us the keys to the kingdom. And whatever we bind, heaven binds. Whatever we loose, heaven looses. So Father, as a corporate body, you spirit of religion, we rebuke you, we bind you, and we command you to go. You spirit of apathy and familiarity, we rebuke you. We bind you and we command you to go. You spirit of pride. That same spirit that was all over the Pharisees. Father, we rebuke the spirit of pride. We rebuke you. You Pharisee spirit. We rebuke you, we bind you, we command you to go. 
Now, come on, let's begin to loose the glory. Come on, whatever we loose, heaven looses. Father, we just loose the glory of God in the house. We loose the life of God in the house. We loose the love of God in the house. Father, we thank you for the angels that are here. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the rivers of God that are flowing. Thank you for your glory. Oh, Father, show us your glory. Father, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. And the glory of God filled the house. Father, we thank you that Satan is bound and heaven is loosed. Satan is bound. Heaven is loosed. Satan is bound. Heaven and the glory of God is loosed. We, we thank you for an open heaven. Thank you we're on, standing on holy ground. And Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, I declare from the throne, declare from the throne that the remnant church is blessed to be a blessing. That Dennis and Jan Hill are blessed to be a blessing. That Colby and Rachel Hill are blessed to be a blessing. The leadership and the staff blessed to be a blessing. All the jobs, all the businesses blessed to be a blessing. Father, the people of the Remnant Church blessed to be a blessing. All of our children, all of our grandchildren, blessed to be a blessing. Come on, let me be selfish for a moment. Come on, PBM. Blessed to be a blessing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We just declare a revival of worship at the Remnant Church. Revival of worship at the Remnant Church. A revival of worship in the altar of the Remnant Church that'll spill over to the chairs, spill over to the lobby, spill over to the parking lot, spill over to LaGrange, spill over to the region. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Pastor. There's only one sad thing is that he's not going to be here tomorrow night. Uh, wow. The uh, revelation you shared. I wish to all of you would have come at six. And I know it was just for the altar ministry, but you could have come. Nobody would have told you no, I don't think. It was so phenomenal, just what he said. And then what he said just then was, wow. I mean, that is so good. 